everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 114th episode of the podcast, airing April 19th, 2021. And while preparing this intro, it has dawned on me that this episode marks the three-year anniversary of the podcast. How exciting is that? And so I hope you all have enjoyed the conversations as much as I have. So, uh, you know, happy birthday, dear podcast. Now, in this installment, I am pleased to present to you my discussion with Catherine Urban, who will join me for a conversation on Taurus season 2021 where Catherine and I break down all the juicy transits during the time that our solar spotlight travels through the land of the bull. And we talk about the nature of Taurus season, the reactivation of the Saturn-Uranus square, because that is definitely happening. Uh, We talk about the lit up Scorpio full moon. Uh, That is part of that Saturn-Uranus square action too. And of course, the big news of Jupiter ingressing into Pisces. While we also focus on the intricacies of the personal planets making key moves that will impact us on the personal and global scale. So are you ready to slow down, realign, and find a new comfort zone? There is so much to say about these next 30 days, and we hope you find value, a Taurus quality for sure, in what we have to share. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar or by booking a personal consultation with yours truly, all of which can be done directly through my site over at energeticprinciples.com. And just a quick note that we had such an amazing time this past weekend at the Astrology of Awakening 2 Summit. You know, the talks were phenomenal, the roundtables engaging, and there were so much valuable astrology knowledge shared that I just know I'm going to go back and visit the videos on more than one occasion. Now, that being said, if you missed it or weren't able to catch all the presentations, you can still purchase the all-access pass to get the videos, the slides, and the bonuses from all the presenters to enjoy forever, forever. That's such a long time. (laughs) Uh, Now, the post-summit price is $127, which I personally think is a drop in the bucket for the amount of content and learning opportunities that were shared. So to purchase a pass, all you have to do is click the link in the description of wherever you listen to this program or over on my website, and it will take you right there. All right, so who is ready to hear all about Taurus season? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome to the podcast. We have Catherine Urban with us here today. Thanks for joining me, Catherine. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Melissa. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. I actually found Catherine through uh, the Astrology of Awakening Summit. We had our presenter call and uh, we were flooded with presenter applications, which um, there was so many great applications, but I really loved what Catherine brought forth. Um, And unfortunately, we had so many to choose from. We weren't able to offer her a spot, but I'm like, no, this woman needs to be on my podcast. And I know other things came to you after that. And like, so, uh, yes, yes. So I'm so excited to invite her here for Taurus season, uh, because I feel like you have the spirit of the, um, what do I call the astrologer, uh, sportscaster. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> it is on my resume. 
<laughs> and I love that. That's what I consider myself to be. So that's perfect when we're talking about seasons and giving people a heads up as to what to expect with the planets and what's going on. But before we get into all that, since you are new to the podcast, Catherine, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and where you come from, what you do, et cetera. All right. So I'm an astrologer from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I've been pretty obsessed with astrology for a long time, although astrology really started entering my life as, as a preteen. Um, I was interested in understanding like the compatibility of my classmates and being a Libra. I was really concerned with like who's dating who and that kind of thing. Um, but I really dove deep into deepening my understanding of astrology around 2009. I was living in New York and so my background is actually quite diverse at this point. I started out with modern, got interested in evolutionary. Now, of course, I'm really into the classical and traditional techniques of astrology and um, just completed a horary course not too long ago. So, I mean, the obsession continues. <laughs> As it does, you know, you get your, you get your toe, you know, wet. Do you get your toe wet? I don't know if that's a term, but yeah, you get a taste for it, I guess. Um, and it can be a train that keeps on rolling, uh, especially if you have that, uh, you know, nerdy intellectual side to you, which I know which, I do. And I have a feeling you do too. Oh yeah. With, with the element of air comes nerdiness. <laughs> yes, that is very true. That is true, right? Because we want to know. We yes. We want to absorb the information and then talk about it and read about it. Um, and, you know, the possibilities are endless. That's the beauty of air is just like, think about a thought bubble. It's like one starts and then in the next one, it's like, you know, air is a conversation, whether you're having a conversation with someone else or you're having a conversation with yourself, you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Cause you can have plenty of those. <laughs> plenty of those. I just imagine like a, like an iPhone chat that just had, what is it when you send a message? You're, it's like green. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and just green on either side. Like that's what <laughs> I imagine uh, going on in my head. But yeah. So I'm glad the astrology bug bit you. And so early too, cause I usually ask guests that are new to the podcast, what, um, you know, got sparked them in. Uh, and so you said preteen, so you were probably in on that Jupiter, Jupiter uh, return. return. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, just like a funny story when I first started going to like astrology meetups, um, you know, late, like there has been such an influx of younger people getting interested in astrology. But when I first started going, I was like the only one at my local groups. And this older woman says to me, oh, I bet you started learning astrology when you were 12. And I was like, how did she know? <laughs> and then, yeah, she of course was like, oh, well, that's, that's your Jupiter return. And it all makes sense. I know so many people who found astrology on their Jupiter return, one, either the first or the second. Yeah. That's, that's what's the running count is for the many people that I've asked. It is either the Jupiter return or for some people like for, for some late bloomers like myself, it's the Saturn return. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. And so either way, you know, Jupiter Saturn is going to come for you and, and yeah. just give you just what you need, uh, you know, to have you go deeper there. And it's so funny. Cause I did the same thing where, uh, after, and it took a handful of years to get to the point where I was going to go to a meetup, you know, like locally and like reach out to 
you know, people um, of like mind. I mean, but it was the same thing. And this was back in like two, 2015, I think, when I showed up to the San Diego Astrological Society. And I was one of the youngest people there. Like it was an older group for sure. But in my time being there and being on the board, um, as Capricorn moons do, uh, you know, there uh, there was a much... Um, there's a lot of young people coming in and the influx. Uh, and I think I talked to, to Tony Howard about this uh, many ha- podcasts ago about that uh, transit with Jupiter in Scorpio, you know, trining mm-hmm. Neptune in Pisces. Um, and that was really an influx of, uh, you know, younger people and just the influx in astrology. I mean, across the board, no matter what the age was, but just because of the influx, it ended up bringing newer, younger folks in. Um, and yeah, it's exciting to see where that's gone. It blew up a bit, uh, but <laughs> that's probably another podcast for another time. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, so that's awesome. Um, I wish I knew about it at 12. I was always interested in the planets. The planets, I had a sticker book when I was like seven. Neptune was my favorite, if I only knew. <laughs> oh. Right. No. <laughs> not the most popular these days. Not, not the most popular. Uh, but uh, yeah, when you really get to know Neptune, it looks all pretty and blue on the outside. But when you when you get in there, when you're behind the veil, the deception of, of the pretty alluring blue, you're like, oh, wow, you're holding some dark secrets in there, aren't you? <laughs> Such is the nature of Neptune. <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Um, do you have a favorite planet or did you have a favorite planet when you were young at all? Um, it's so funny. So like when I was first getting into astrology, I was also like getting into like magic and things like that. And I had this book on Wicca and they're like, you have to pick, like you have to pick (laughs) a deity to worship. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to pick Aphrodite. And then I come to realize like how powerful Venus is in my chart. And I do have Venus in rulership in my chart. So yeah, I got to say I like Venus, but you know, I'm really into understanding what perfection, what perfection year you're in and what your planetary ruler of the year is. And so right now I got to say Mars, like Mars is the planet I'm definitely connecting with these days. Join the club. I'm, I'm a Mars ruled chart and a Mars ruled perfection year. So, uh, I feel you. (laughs) It's a tougher one. It's a tougher one, but I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the process though. Yeah. Are you a day baby or a night baby? Oh, I'm night. I'm oh. all night. I'm day. So you know, <laughs> we have diff- we have different opinions of Mars. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> but hey, you know, you got to love every planet in its own way because even through the challenges, it has its blessings. It has its necessities. Um, and I would not get anything done if it wasn't for Mars. So you know, not sure I would either, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> so praise the warrior, even when he bites me in the ass sometimes. But that being said, perfections. Yes, if you don't use them, you should. If you need to learn how. That's what us astrologers are here for, uh, because they are everything when it comes to prediction uh, and knowing who's your planet at any given time. Um, yeah, so I guess we <laughs> perfections make us switch what who who we're loving. Uh, yeah, and I think it's an awesome way to spend time, like especially if you're learning astrology, to like you can't like develop or it's harder I should say to develop a relationship with multiple planetary energies at once. And so honoring like your planet of the year, or even just starting with like the ruler of your chart. I mean, it's a nice format to be able to spend time with the planet and get to understand that energy and how it shows up for you and how to work with that 
energy in your chart and to get to know that archetype because, you know, to the ancients, the planets were like beings, you Mm -hmm. know, they could be entities that you develop a relationship with. And that's certainly true today for many astrologers as well. Yes, absolutely. That's it. And you really only get to know something when you steadily engage with it. And when you are open to it and you see a piece of it and then another piece comes and it's just building this, uh, character puzzle basically of each, you know, each piece as it comes. Um, and in, in very broad ways and in very literal finite ways too. Um, so I totally agree because I mean, as my Mars and Gemini, it's easy to just to skip along and go to the next thing. And like, you know, I, I like this planet one day, this another day, see so, you how know, this, but it's really when you stick with something, um, this is the, the Virgo speaking now, uh, that, it is, uh, <laughs> that it really sinks in and you, and you understand it more. So, so cheers to that. Cheers. Yes. Cheers to Mars. You heard yeah, me. And, and you have, um, and Mars is in Gemini right now. <laughs> You're having a Mars return. I, I had the Mars return on the equinox. That was the Ooh, day. Yes. Um, it was that's auspicious. It is. It was a day. Uh, it's, <laughs> I felt good on that day. I had a lot going on, which Mars in Gemini tends to do. Um, oh yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like literally juggling balls constantly or spinning plates as I like to call it. Um, but you know, Mars in its, it, cause Mars and Gemini is peregrine and it is, and that's the name, that's like the blessing of it in some ways. And it's like uncharacteristic or, you know, it's hard to pin down in a sense because it's always on the move and it's going to surprise you from time to time because it doesn't have that consistency. Um, but when you need consistency, uh, and you got a peregrine Mars in your chart and a peregrine Mars in the sky, it just gets a little too wandery. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, cause Mars is finishing its journey through Gemini and that's been challenging for so many people. I, I've heard so many people just, just describing how overwhelmed they feel, how confused, how scattered, and just they have too many things going on. I'm sure when you have it in your chart, you figure out how to work with it, of course. But um, yeah, Mars is still in Gemini as we speak. And I know it's it's certainly not the easiest, but I love what you said about the freedom that having like a peregrine planet allows room for, like there's room for innovation. There's room to try on different hats and move in different directions and innovate what it is that you're doing. Like you don't have to stick to one way of doing. So that at least keeps it interesting and free. Yes, it does. It definitely keeps it interesting and and absolutely free because when I think about just having a Mars world chart with this, with a peregrine energy, you know, I feel like when I think about my life, I think about all the different things I've been, uh, you know, I've been all over the place and I wouldn't have it any different. Um, and I probably won't be exactly where I am now forever either, because that's the beauty of it is you pack up and you, you move on, or you take that to the next level, or you twist it in a way, uh, with some new ideas, uh, you know, because Gemini has that birth of, you know, thought energy, like creating, you know, um, 
and I'm, I'm always creating. So that's, that's exciting. But, you know, I feel you, the Mars and Gemini wrapping up its tour here. Uh, it's going to switch during Taurus season, which we'll talk about, but oh, yeah. some of the, uh, some of the challenge and when you're talking about the, uh, dissipation of energy and the confusion and the overwhelm was definitely with that square to Neptune, Neptune. which just happened, which, oh my God, so much work to be, have been done. Uh, yet I just couldn't, I could, I, I was, they say, I just can't. Mm-hmm. Is that what the, what's, what's the term is like? Can't even. I can't, I can't even. even. I can't even. That was, <laughs> that was Mars and square Neptune for me. Oh, how, yeah. about you? How, how did that work out? <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I just felt like I just had like too many things in the juggle and I just needed, I just dropped them. I just dropped them. I was like, you know what? I got to scale this back. I was too Aries on this and just got to scale it back a second. And yeah, that's how that worked out for me. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I didn't even juggle. I just put the balls down. I was like, I, you know, they all need attention, but I have nothing, I have nothing for you right now. Uh, so if anybody felt that, um, when, uh, basically, this is airing on the 19th, but from, you know, really the seventh until the new moon, give or take there, that was that you're wondering what that was. That was Mars where Neptune. Um, but that being said, let's talk about Taurus season. Cause that is why we are here today. Juicy Taurus season. I love Taurus season. Oh, um, I do too. Yes. You, uh, what do you love about Taurus season? What's your, what's your favorite thing? I mean, it brings you back to Venus territory. So yeah, of course. Um, what I really love most about Taurus season is, I mean, everyone says that Taurus is the energy that invites you to slow down and really relish life's experiences, slow down and smell the roses as the saying goes. And literally where I live in Cleveland, Ohio, um, in like the Northeast of the United States, the climate really does follow the astrological shifts. And right around Taurus season is where everything gets really green and really lush. And I mm. love to go on walks in the woods. And this is where you can like forage. I love to forage ramps. And it's just green for, seems like miles because the trees haven't filled in quite yet. So just the the earth is just green and abundant and you just want to roll in it. And so it quite literally reminds me of just like stopping and enjoying it. It's so green. It's just such a stimulus for the eyes. I mean, we've Mm. just seen nothing but like gray (laughs) all winter in the Saturn months. Um, And so I really do love that about Taurus season, just visually, and then being able to smell the flowers when you go on walks. I mean, it really is Venusian earth. Like you can literally see that. And yeah, so Venus does rule Taurus. Um, Venus rules two signs of the Zodiac. And um, in Libra, it's more conceptual beauty, like the idea of ethics and balance and fairness and also aesthetic. But in Taurus, it's of the earth. It's of the senses. It's literally like the five senses of the body and being able to indulge those senses. And really it is an opportunity for us to slow down and get grounded and stick your bare feet in the grass and really just enjoy your life. Mm, Yes. It's the simple pleasures. That's like, that's the beauty of Taurus to me, you know? Um, And I love 
Well, let me just state that uh, Catherine and I are having this conversation just as Venus moved into Taurus today, uh, which is very exciting. So we are already having a precursor to that Taurian energy before the sun even gets there on Monday the 19th when this airs. Uh, But it doesn't matter anyways, because you can't hear this until then. Uh, But but I love that you bring up the, um, just the, the, pleasure of the earth and the qualities of the earth and walking in the greenery and smelling the air, smelling the plants, smelling the, the roses, if, if you can. Um, I actually have a trip planned, uh, with my sweetheart to go to the Santa Cruz mountains, to the redwoods during this time. And I cannot wait because there's no, if you've never been to the redwoods people, I'm just saying it's, it'll change your life. There is <laughs> the tree spirits. They, they really call and just the scent of the air. Like these are all tourist type of, um, experiences, uh, where it does have you, it's almost like time slows down, um, just long enough for you to like, you know, really take something in because that's what being sensual is. That is what the senses do is it's, It's not rushing around like Aries season. It's not really heady and intellectual like Mars and Gemini, you know, because Mars is going to move into cancer and that's going to be a whole different feel too. So what you said about things being able or things being prompted to slow down is going to get real, real. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No one's juggling those plates in a little bit here. (laughs) Yeah. And it'll be a nice reprieve, like just between, like you said, the fast pace of Aries season and the heady intellectual, busy juggling of Gemini season, which is on the other side of Taurus. It's kind of this nice reprieve where you really do kind of just get to slow down for a moment and find more enjoyment in your life. And I, I love what you said about the Redwoods. I'm so excited that you get to take that trip. And I'm just reminded of the stability of the trees also. Like that's another really powerful quality that Taurus has is it's the stability that it offers. Um, Taurus is fixed earth. So it's the least movable, which on one hand gets its reputation for being like a stubborn sign, but you know what? You can rely on Taurus. They are as loyal as they come. You can depend on them to forever, basically. You can, you can, because they, they show up. They, they might not, it might not be the most exciting of energy at times, <laughs> but the reliability that comes with Taurus, uh, is, is definitely tangible. Um, and, but the, but here's the thing is we kind of are, so we, we're describing Taurus as it is when Taurus is just Taurus. But there's, there is the wild card energy of this particular year. I mean, it's kind of been several years with Uranus and Taurus really shaking up what the definition of Taurus might be and the energies that we've come to get used to, uh, to kind of make Taurus 2.0. Um, but a main part of this Taurus season is actually all these planets are going to be lighting up the Saturn-Uranus square again, which we experienced uh, during Aquarius season back in February, um, you know, give or take January, February really felt that, uh, you know, this pivotal, uh, you know, outer planetary signature that is really taking place for 2021 and 2022. Um, so there'll be this interesting, and I'm wondering if part of the slowdown is actually going to be Saturn interfering in some ways to, um, put us, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? to slow our roll, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, 
that's such a good point that like the typical Taurus energy is totally disrupted right now because of Uranus's transit through Taurus. And this has been going on for a little while, a little while, it's going to continue. And, you know, to me, just Uranus and Taurus alone, it does, it's doing a lot of things. But one of the things that it's doing is that it's inviting us to get out of our comfort zone so that we can find a new comfort zone. Like basically it's showing us all the places, all the things in our way from being more comfortable on a collective level. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I ended up on a personal level too, cause this is a, uh, this is very, and that's the thing is that they're in, uh, they're intertwined, uh, with this square because Saturn has us looking at, you know, the, the confines and the structure of, of the collective part of it. While Taurus is like, how does this you know, affect me on a personal level and what, you know, like what I'm made up of. Um, and so it, it's a little bit of both and, and to separate the one from the other, you can never do because, you know, we are affected by everything that's around us and who we are as a person contributes to the whole. So it's always that, you know, snake eating its tail type of situation. Um, but you know what, as a person who has Uranus on their ascendant, I'm always looking forward to what Uranus has to do, even if it does buzz and shock you a little bit. Um, so this season is like, although we get our sensuality moments, we get to stop and smell the roses. We get to drop into our, you know, embody, uh, our energy in a very physical way. Um, it's, there's going to be little things here and there that are going to throw us for a loop. Um, so I'm excited to pick your brain about that. Yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't want to lose the, this Taurus thought, but before we dive into the nitty gritty of, um, what's happening with this Saturn Uranus square, um, I think one of the ways this shows up is when the world is chaotic, when, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what the headlines are going to be saying by the time this comes out, but the stuff that's been in the news lately, it, it makes me want to hold my loved ones closer. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to enjoy this life while I have it. And, you know, I think the contrast of the craziness that's going on in our world is can help us to really savor those moments that are just simple and beautiful uh, all on their own. Yeah. I, well, I think that's a perfect, uh, you know, kind of put it in your pocket for this period to remember that, especially if you get caught up in other things, you know, pull back to what's really meaningful and valuable to you, because that's another Taurus, uh, Venus, you know, territory is, is getting down to what's, what has value to you and whatever that is, Put your love there, put your energy there, put your time there. Um, because you know, life is fleeting, moments are fleeting. And if we're all caught up in the Aquarius energy of the future, um, you know, and we're thinking about five steps ahead, well, what about this moment? And so dropping back in. Um, and, and, and that applies to, for being in a, in a state of meditation with yourself, whether it's, you know, um, you know, when you're just, cause Taurus likes to, I mean, Virgo gets the reputation of the hermit, but Taurus is out there in the woods by itself too, you know, on the top, <laughs> on the mountain, you know, like, just give me some time. Like I need some silence. Like I just 
I got to pull within. And so Taurus is that. good at being, they're good at being content. They're good at being content. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> they're good at being content uh, with themselves and with very simple things. Um, and a lot of times that means uh, just pulling back or sleeping. My God, I had a Taurus moon X. That man could sleep. Oh, (laughs) and everyone I know that has a Taurus moon. When I asked them, I was like, how's your sleep? Oh, and they're like, oh, no problem sleeping. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the other thing I love about Tauruses is the connoisseur. Like they're Mm. connoisseurs because, and they have like very strong opinions. Like, oh, this is the best music. This is the best director of movies. This is the best wine. And they're, they're very, they, have like strong opinions on fabric and things like that. Like all of that is super important to them. So yes, it is simple, but, and yet it's not, you know what I mean? Like they know the value of this kind of wine. My sister is a Taurus and she is um, a certified beer expert. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Well, because that's it. That with Taurus, it's about quality, not quantity, right? You know, don't give me five million; just give me one or two of the best. Um, yes, yes. And so that's the connoisseur. Because how do we know what the best is unless we, uh, you know, use our senses? We taste it, we touch it, we we hear it. You know, it moves us, um, and then we stick with it because we know. <laughs> and then you stick with it. Yes, that's the key part. You find the best, and then you stick with it. You stick with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. So, well, that's another thing too, is the, what we need to keep in mind for Taurus season is that, uh, you know, Venus is going to be very important here um, because Venus is the ruler of Taurus, like we have uh, discussed. Um, and she'll be making a couple moves uh, with being in Taurus as she moves in there today as we have this conversation. Um, and then she ingresses into Gemini, uh, towards the end of Taurus season. So we see her in those two places, but of course it, we'd be remiss to not mention real quick that a headline with Taurus season is the fact that Jupiter is ingressing into Pisces. Oh yeah. Big news. Oh yeah. We're definitely, oh yeah. That is like the juiciest part of Taurus season perhaps is Jupiter's ingress into Pisces. Oh my God. I'm yes. so excited. Me too. Me too. And that is big news because, uh, you know, Jupiter likes everything big. And so you bet that when it makes that, when it, when it does that, and that happens, we're all going to feel it. We're We're all all going to feel it it. Uh, in a good way, (laughs) Yes, but we will save that until we get to that point in our chat here. Um, but all right, so let's jump in, uh, which is really what we're doing when we're (laughs) all the, um, ingresses, the sun ingresses into signs in this year. And I think even at the end of uh, 2020, they are, they're all coinciding with a first quarter moon, like off the bat, mm-hmm. um, which I think this actually might be the first, the last one in that change before there's kind of a shift there. So basically we have the sun ingress into Taurus on Monday, the 19th. And later that day, we have a first quarter moon in Leo at zero degrees and 25 minutes of Leo. So really, you know, just right in there. And this is important because this is, you know, especially with Leo, um, well, and the Taurus, this is activating the Jupiter, uh, Saturn conjunction point. So there's something we said about this first quarter moon right on the start of Taurus season uh, that is activating a bigger cycle um, at play. So I think it's just going to be an important day in general. Um, I don't, you have any thoughts on that or, or Leo energy to throw? <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, I certainly follow the lunar cycles. Um, I don't put quite as much emphasis on the quarters. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is like a time of action and initiation, not as much initiation, but like shifting the energy a little bit. Like yeah. oftentimes the court, the first quarter is going to present an issue, something that needs to be worked out a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, coming out of an Aries new moon that we're still in right now. Um, yeah, there is something related perhaps to like self-expression and being authentic related to that first quarter moon in Leo. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and just because, you know, fire and that's the weird thing about fire and earth together is earth kind of like holds when we just talk about that earth Taurus holding its space, Leo has that, like that, that fiery burst. Um, and these are both fixed energy. So when we have tension, um, and uprooting and pushing and challenge and fixed energies, they can be the most frustrating at times because we feel the tension of it. Um, yet the, the uh, whatever we're up against feels, uh, kind of immovable. Um, or maybe we're laying ground to something that is going to be more long lasting since this is connected to a larger cycle. Um, and it could be heart-based. It could be, uh, you know, creation-based. Um, it can be long-standing. And so, you know, it just depends on where that falls for you. But uh, I have a feeling that it's going to be, you know, because this is when the cycle of the moon gets to its hot, dry point as we carry from first quarter to the full moon. So energy just starts to ramp up where, you know, like, so there's something to be said about just that day, just kind of pushing us over you know, that square edge. Um, and then immediately we encounter some things that happen right afterwards, which is uh, basically Venus and Mercury conjunct Uranus. Yeah. Which we know that's going to bring something. I've been <laughs> noticing Mercury and Venus have been like doing yes. some big things hand in hand for like the last couple of years. It's real interesting to observe. But um, anyways, yeah, this is going to be like the first planetary ignition of the Saturn Uranus square. So we can look at what Mercury and Venus will do um, conjoining Uranus on an indiv on a more individual level. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that that combination can do. Um, but we're going to start to feel the tension on the world stage a little bit as yeah. well as, and we're probably already um, starting to kind of feel that as the planets get closer once the sun gets into Taurus season. Um, but yeah, so Venus conjunct Uranus. This is like a craving for excitement. This is like, I gotta, I gotta break loose. I gotta try something new. I wanna try th that new restaurant. You know, if that's, a if that's in your availability well, these days. And that might be part of it is the it, opening up of such things. Yeah, or just, the people like the desire to just go out and do do shit. I mean, I don't know if I can say that on your podcast, <laughs> but like you're good. <laughs> okay, but like to to basically rebel against the con the containment that we've all been experiencing. I think that's going to be a big push, like for people to um, like break free on some level. And I know that we're already starting to see another wave of protesting happening here and I know it's happening in other parts of the world. Um, so I would not be surprised if that is part of the deal as well. But yeah, Venus conjunct Uranus, like 
that's a desire to get out of your comfort zone, out of your regular routine and try something new. There's a craving there that you want to try something different. Yeah. And well, and that's the beauty of Venus being in her own sign too, is that it does create the volatility of Uranus and, you know, wanting to shake some things up a bit, but we also have the stability of Venus and Taurus there too. And Uranus looking to Venus. So I found, I found when this uh, transit happened last year, that it was uh, it was a nice sort of um, excitement getting out of your comfort zone. Like it had rewards to it, uh, once we just stretched ourselves in some way, which can be like the luxuries of life, like, you know, fine dining or eating out, um, or, uh, maybe buying some sort of garment that you're not used to wearing because you just like the way the fabric feels and you're like, this is not normally me, but maybe I'll try it today. Um, or, you know, uh, doing an activity, uh, with your partner in, in some way way or even, uh, even a love relationship with how you interact, you know, sensually with your partner, you'd be like, well, let's try this tonight. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. these, the, all these types of things. Uh, and, and it's interesting to have Mercury there because Mercury is willing, uh, to go along with it is willing to communicate, uh, something that might be out of the blue or transact in some way that might be out of the ordinary. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting to add those two together. And so I have a lot of, I'm feeling a lot of interesting shopping sprees are going to oh, take yeah. place. <laughs> uh-huh. Impulse buys. Yeah. It's one of those things where inspiration is just going to strike. It might be a little bit impulsive or spontaneous. Um, but like you said, with Venus being in its home sign and its domicile of Taurus, like it's not going to be too reckless. It's going to be like within reason. It's going to be like, oh, well, I've always wanted to try that. Or I, I wonder if that style of top would look good on me or this other hairstyle, you know, maybe I'm going to cut some bangs kind of thing. If I, I've been thinking about it for a while, so I'm going to do it. It's not super impulsive. It's like, hmm, I've always wondered or I've always wanted to try kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I love what you said about the, the impulse bias. Cause I, that's what I was thinking too, like with Venus and Mercury, both having to do with commerce. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. And I mean, so if you, if it's, if it's good, if it, ha- if it holds its value or if it's resellable when you realize you don't want it anymore, <laughs> you know, those- <laughs> Yeah. Then, then I'd say yes. Well, you know, why, why not? There. Yeah. Um, that's funny. So, so that's basically taking place at the, at the, at the end of this week when this airs, you know, the 27th, Thursday, the 22nd, Friday, the 23rd, which could be a date night, um, there, uh, and the mm-hmm. weekend, we're going to feel this basically Wednesday through Saturday. You'll kind of feel that Venus, Mercury, Uranus action. Uh, but what you're also really going to feel is the fact that Mars, the warrior we were talking about earlier, that's been touring Gemini for quite some time is ingressing into cancer, which is the sign of its fall. It's no longer peregrine and wandering. It it does have a a dignity, a debilitated dignity. Um, it's lost its dignity. No, there's great, there's thing, no, there's great things about all placements. Um, but well, we're gonna for, feel that shift. For planets in their fall, sometimes like. Yeah. That's just how it is sometimes. But yeah, I'm actually looking forward to Mars and Cancer, not just because for me, I feel like it'll kind of calm down the scattered energy of of Mars and Gemini. Um, It's going to make us a little bit more pointed because 
cancer is a cardinal sign. So it still has objectives that it wants to move towards. The only thing is that it Mars has a slight more difficulty in cancer because, you know, it has to feel like it. Like it's yeah. not like <laughs> Mars and Aries where you can be like, all right, let's just go for it. Or, um, Mars and Gemini, sure, why not? Just throw that on the list. Um, it really has to feel like it. So I feel like Mars and Cancer, um, you're going to want to back out of some of the things that maybe if you signed up for too too much, yeah. um, this is going to be the time to kind of fall back a yeah. little bit. And while Mars is in its fall in Cancer, it also, it does have triplicity in Cancer. And mm-hmm. the ancients describe... Mars having triplicity in the water signs because it cools down the fiery dryness of Mars. So it it actually helps Mars out a little bit. Um, Mars in Cancer, this is a time to be sensitive with your energy. It's a time to be a little bit more restorative. And I, I think this pairs into kind of what I was saying before about being able to practice the pause during a time when the world is starting to kind of go crazy again to, you know, really dive deeper into those emotional connections. I think planets in cancer, they want to create memories Mm -hmm. and to do what feels good, to do what feels nourishing. And um, I really see this as a time of replenishing our nervous system because we're coming out of all this Gemini, Mars and Gemini, and then also Venus and and Mercury conjunct Uranus. And we're going to see some other Uranus activations too. I mean, that is time to watch your nervous system, take your magnesium, um, take a longer Shavasana. You know what I mean? Like you need to kind of nourish the system a little bit. And so I think that Mars are usually like kind of fiery go get them energy and cancer is also inviting us to really slow down and take care of ourselves. Mm, yes. I totally agree with that because that's what cancer is. It is self-care. Uh, and, and we think of cancer nourishing, uh, you know, the young, uh, and all the people around it, which is absolutely true. So I am a cancer. <laughs> it's, it happens. Um, but what's one of the cancer lessons we are to learn the most is to be able to take care of ourselves, you know, put our own oxygen mask on first before trying to, uh, you know, always help others. Um, and what are our needs versus what are the needs, you know, because if our needs aren't taken care of uh, and acted upon, then we can't be there for the needs of others in that full way we want to show up. And that's why it's, things get diverted for being moody. Um, and, you know, that's the thing with Mars is Mars is already a temperamental character, right? You know, mm-hmm. it, it helps us get things done, but it also is a part of uh, where we're irritated or we, we have temperament. And so if you are not fed well, you're going to get hangry. If oh, yeah. You, if you, uh, you know, like like you said earlier, well, I love it when you said, if you don't feel like it, if you're not in the mood, it's going to be harder to get things done or you're going to sidestep it in some way. Because the oh, interesting yeah. thing about cancer is it's got that cardinal pointed energy, but it, it points itself to the side. It crab walks um, in, in many ways. And so it's, yeah, so it, it depends. Um, but I definitely am resonating with what you were saying earlier about uh, if that G- Mars and Gemini list just piled too many things on your plate for everything that you decided to sign yourself up for uh, in the heat of the moment of Aries and Gemini, you know, sextiling together, basically Mars, that's, that is literally the definition of falling away because planets and, um, 
planets that are debilitated, uh, especially in a fall connection or a depression, it literally falls away because it cannot keep up with the consistency. And so if there are things that we just cannot keep up with, um, basically from the 23rd of April until June 11th, when Mars then enters Leo, which is going to be a whole other bag of interesting things, (laughs) um, you know, we are, whatever falls away from your energy because you can't keep up with, or you don't feel like it, or it is taking away from like what you said, what really matters and, and the people we care about in our family, and our home, you know, uh, those are willing sacrifices to make that you might, you know, shed a little tear over here and there, but it's, it's ultimately, uh, for the better, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love what you said about the sidestepping and it, it is kind of harder to understand. This took me a while to understand when I was first starting to learn astrology about like, how could cancer be a cardinal sign? And the thing is, is that I've come to realize that it circles its target. You know, it goes, it goes around and around. It's like, hmm, how about if I go in from this angle or how about from this angle? But it's still very pointed on the thing. It just takes a while. It's like a plane landing. It just takes a minute. <laughs> it's directness is indirect. And that's the thing mm-hmm. that is, uh, you know, a little slippery about uh, cancer there is that it, all, like you said, it always has its eyes on the target. That's not the issue. It knows exactly where it's going, but because it doesn't necessarily face things head on, whether that's because of strategy or that's because of insecurity or right. passive aggressiveness, <laughs> right. you know, it's still headed in the direction it wants to head in. It's just a really roundabout way. And I love the idea of the plane landing because it's true. You're like you were up in the plane and they're, you're like, when are we going to land this thing? When is like, and that is basically Mars and cancer is like at times you're going to be like, when are we going to land? Or, or you'll ask that of someone else because you might be waiting on someone else's directive uh, in some way. And they're like, are they ever going to, and they will. Um, but it will be a little roundabout. Um, and that's another thing with Mars and cancer too, that can be a little rough at times is that Mars is the warrior. It's confident. It's courageous. It goes out. It's, it, you know, it stabs without thinking basically. (laughs) Um, but, but cancer is so sensitive. It's aware of all these little hidden things. It's aware of all the things that you're not aware of. And that's why cancers are like, don't you feel all the things I'm feeling? Don't you know what I'm going through? And other people are like, no, I have no idea because that's, <laughs> yeah. You. So He's, there's this inner component, this insecurity, this vulnerability and being willing to be vulnerable that can get in the way of, uh, you know, making a strike. Um, yeah. Our Mars and cancer's a little moody. I was just watching Alexander, the movie. It was like a 2007 movie, I think. And of all people, Colin Farrell plays Alexander and he's just like this super moody character, but you know, he like created this like giant empire, but he was so moody. Um, so yeah, if you want to get an idea of Mars and cancer as, as that, as that visual, go ahead and watch that movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, I guess we know that our action energy is going to be a little bit moody and based on, uh, how we're feeling basically. Um, Yeah. And you might not feel like it. I mean, the thing, something else you were saying had me thinking about how you can't draw from an empty well. Yeah. And cancer is a sign that really understands that. And so combining or layering Mars and cancer with this Taurus season that we're experiencing, you know, you don't have to be like 
actively doing things to be productive right now. Like rest is productive. Rest is restorative so that you can go out. Like if you think about, like if you've ever done like a HIIT workout, you do like 45 seconds of intensity and then it's like 30 seconds rest so that you can get back with the next exercise with more intensity. So it's like you need to rest so that you can bring your best foot forward in time. But right now is really a time to like replenish that well for real, like slow down and enjoy it because, you know, sometimes life just moves too fast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so I like the, the workout, um, connection, because if you look at, a, there's a lot of, uh, sports related charts, athlete charts that have Mars and cancer. It's not like you would think like the Mars would have to be in this strong sign in order to no. there's, there's so many <laughs> athletes that have Mars and cancer. I was just looking at Wayne Gretzky's chart. He has Mars and cancer. Yeah. There, well, and there's a, but cause that's the thing too, is that one thing we didn't say about Mars and cancer, um, maybe we alluded to, uh, is the tenacity of it. Cause that's the, that's the thing with cancer is like, you know, in the crab and it just holds on basically is, and it won't let go. It just won't let go. Even when it should let go, <laughs> uh, you know, it won't let go. Um, so that's the thing is like, if you, if you need to rest, that's okay because the tenacity of your, of your goal and your energy toward whatever that pointed, uh, you know, thing that you have your, you know, your, your pinchers locked onto, you're, you're still gonna, you're still gonna get there. Um, and I think it'll be a, a time when people are like working on their physique too, because, you know, you think of like, that's why all those sports, uh, people have this placement is because they're working on their shell. They're like, it, like if you build yourself on the outside, all your vulnerable insides, are going to be well protected. Uh, yeah, no one will know. No, no one, one will, will know. know. <laughs> no one will know. <laughs> I love it. All right. So we can definitely uh, expect that shift on Friday the 23rd. Um, and like I said, through June 11th. So get situated in that energy. Um, but not, so basically right after we have Venus and Mercury conjuncting Uranus, giving what we talked about earlier with that unexpected layer of Venus, Mercury energy, Mars shifting into cancer. Uh, but then right after that happens that weekend on Saturday and Sunday, the 24th and 25th of April, Mercury and Venus both, uh, conjunct together. They make their conjunction, uh, while squaring Saturn pretty much at the same mm -hmm. time. And that's an interesting, that's why I think about the impulse purchase of, of the Uranus. And all of a sudden we're like up against the Saturn. <laughs> Like you get the credit card receipt and you're like, oh, I did it again. <laughs> I did buyer's remorse. No. Uh, <laughs> maybe not, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's interesting to be electrified in some way, but then run up against some sort of wall or some sort of commitment needed, you know, cause a lot of times we can be inspired by Uranus and then you're like, oh wow, Saturn and all the responsibilities that then go along with that. Or another way that this might show up because we're like in, in still in a global pandemic there, we have like both energies kind of butting up against each other. Like, Oh, I want to book this trip. I want to go this place. I want to go do that, but I can't, there's mm -hmm. that. I can't from Saturn squaring it. So I think that many people are going to be experiencing it from that angle too. Yeah. Like um, I could definitely see that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it also makes me think too, just in the nature of relationships, because yes. that's the thing that, you know, and you pointed this out earlier in our broadcast about all this energy is under, 
the lunar signature of the Aries new moon. And under that signature, we basically had Venus in an exact square with Pluto. And so there are a lot of relationships that are changing or going through either, uh, you know, parting ways or moving to the next level of commitment. Basically all relationships are going through a test of integrity at this time during this cycle. And so it's interesting to see, you know, Venus as the relationship planet with Mercury, which is able to have the conversations um, and, and, you know, communicate in some way, go through that electrification of the Uranus or even the freedom and the liberation needed because that's another aspect of it. Um, But then squaring Saturn. And so I feel like there's going to be an interesting, like a freedom response, but also a commitment response in the, in the tension between the two. Totally. And I love, I love that angle because, you know, we could look at it from, the whole spectrum of like newer relationships to relationships that are like more enduring. Um, you know, even speaking as someone who's been in a long-term relationship, like these little transits still affect the long-term relationships too, where it goes, oh, you know, this has been on my mind with Pluto, or I want to try this. Let's break out of this routine with Uranus. And then Saturn says, can we make a new pattern? Can we try this? Can we, um, you know, and relationships are so give and take, like it's not 50, 50, it's often trying to get it to be 50, 50. And so where there's Saturn, there's a no, or I can't do that, or I have to stop doing this. And so maybe that Saturn is a, okay, well, I'm going to stop doing A, B, C, or D, you know, to kind of make our relationship a little bit more harmonious. So it could go so many different ways, but like you said too, you know, this is kind of a big check-in for people to see, you know, is this supportive? Saturn can be describing things that are supportive. Uranus is describing the element of, can I be myself? Because like you said, coming out of this Aries new moon with Venus there, it is really about authenticity and being able to honor your needs and also loving yourself. So is there room in this relationship for that? Is there room in this relationship for me to be totally myself and have the level of freedom that I still want? And so, yeah, there is this balance between freedom and commitment here with Uranus and Saturn in terms of our relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And and I really think, you know, this is the, this is the lover in me. I feel like commitment is going to win out because even though it has the tension, it it has that activation, it's, you know, it it comes at you, but, you know, Saturn is in its domicile in Aquarius, uh, in in its daytime domicile at that. So it's getting extra dignity. Future planning is happening in Aquarius. So what's the future of this commitment? What do we see? What do we intellectually see? Let's talk about this. Uh, It's an overcoming position with uh, Venus too. So it's like, oh, right. Well, we want all these Venus things. Venus is in a strong place too. She wants to, she wants to cuddle. She wants to be connected and committed. She might've got it in taste of that Uranus and was like, oh, I don't know. That was exciting for a minute, but you know, I, I kind of like, kind of like what this kind of like our routine. Yeah. I like this here. Uh, Maybe we can innovate that for the, for the future, or maybe there's just going to be some hurdles along the way towards uh, the stability that we're looking for, but we can at least discuss it, um, you know, get it into some position that isn't like, you know, just totally 
out of there or like fully releasing something. And so I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of conversations had the weekend, you know, the 24th and the 25th, which would basically basically be this coming weekend. If you're listening to this, when this airs um, that are centered around that, it doesn't have to be love relationships or marriages. It can be business partnerships. It can be all types of, uh, you know, things where friendships, friendships yeah. roommates, roommates. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Roommates. <laughs> That's funny. Um, siblings, yes. Mercury, <laughs> yeah, all, all those things, or even with your kids, if you have to get to a disciplinary position versus being, you know, Venus and sweet and sending the love versus I have to send this message, you know, there can be tension there with that too. Right. Um, yes. So just FYI. Uh, but really what all that is, is leading us to another Uranus Saturn moment with the full moon uh, oh, in Scorpio boy. on Monday. So, you know, like this, this, all this is leading somewhere in this hot and dry part of the moon <laughs> um, at seven degrees and six minutes of Scorpio. And so, it, you know, the saga continues basically uh, on Monday um, and Tuesday where we are feeling out all this Venus, all the Saturn, all the Uranus. And so what, what are your thoughts? <laughs> oh boy. Well, I always see the Scorpio new, the Scorpio full moon as being like really powerful emotionally. Yeah. I feel like it really intensifies our feelings and yeah, it doesn't have to be even necessarily scorpionic in nature. Like it could just be like, you just need to cry. You know what I mean? Like it can just be that because um, yeah, with Mars and cancer and Mars ruling the full moon, it could just be like, I just need to cry. Um, but yeah, of course, being in a full moon in Scorpio, that can bring up some of the more intense um, emotions that we hold, some that are like more buried deep within us. And speaking of which, I feel like I have to bring in another layer here, which is the the Pluto station yes. that's going to occur yes. the, the next day after the full moon, we're going to be feeling it in such a huge way leading up to that. I feel like Pluto stations, you start to feel them up to five days before. And yeah. so this is a big exposing. This is a big uprooting. I feel like um, certain emotions, certain things that we've held are going to kind of come to light. I know we've been doing a lot of Chiron stuff through Aries season. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is going to be another layer of like, let's, let's excavate this. Like, let's get this out. Let's bring it to light. Let's feel it. Let's really allow ourselves to feel through this. And so, yeah, I feel like, um, Pluto definitely brings intense feelings. Yes. Um, we could be experiencing varying degrees of jealousy, of envy, of being aware of your stake in the world, being aware of the the dynamic of power. Um, I feel like Pluto really highlights where we feel, where we feel like our power has been taken or where it's been misused. Um, on the flip side of that, it can also show us how we claim our power, how mm-hmm. we come out of that, you know, because I feel like a lot of this energy is going to be highlighting areas of life where we've felt vulnerable or where we presently feel vulnerable. And, you know, being able to sit with these feelings, it's, it takes a great deal of courage, but 
if you can do that, getting to the other side is the real cherry that you want to get to, the real gold that you want to get to, because Pluto will take you. It will, like the myths of Pluto going to the underworld, taking, removing all your clothes and your jewels if you're Inanna and facing, facing, um, the underworld and facing yourself. I mean, it requires vulnerability. It requires removing your armor and the things, you know, it'll basically show you your bullshit sometimes too. Sometimes, <laughs> but yeah, all the time, all the time. But, but yeah, I mean, on the other side of it, it really is like showing you how you can really step into your power. And that is the piece that you want to get to. Absolutely. You know, remembering where you have power. Uh, it makes me think of the serenity prayer, you know, like knowing where you might not honoring where you do and knowing the difference between the two, because, uh, you know, Scorpio energy, um, and that Mars energy, especially as the, you know, the Scorpio full moon is going to be trining, uh, Mars, they're both in their fall positions. Um, and so there is, there could be falls from graces if you eat too easily try to manipulate things to maybe your way or whether that's outside of you or just inside of you and how you're processing things. Um, and so there it's you might not want to get too carried away with the more <laughs> the the darker sides of the Scorpio. But on the other side, the falling away of certain things and like good cry that you were talking about earlier, you know, that could absolutely be a thing. Um, oh, yeah, that the, the Scorpio full moon gives us wonderful power to heal too. Um, but it has to take us to the depths. Like you're saying, yes. you have to pull deep. You got to go there. This is not surface level. And especially since we've been living with a lot of planets that seem to be at surface level for quite some time, the introduction of the first week of Taurus season, as it keeps plunging us further and further into more deeper considerations as Pluto is stationing, you know, we have that new moon, um, that signature I was talking about earlier with Venus squaring Pluto while this is per- about to happen. Um, you know, it's a full moon that has the ruler of Mars, but you know, the sun is in Venus territory. So these are relationship signs too. Um, and not just relationships with other people, it's a relationship with yourself, you know, being able to go there. And so everything, yes, everything that you're saying, I absolutely, it's going to be it's going to be intense. So, I mean, we always say that with Scorpio. It's, it's intense. Yeah. But well, it, it is. is. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a mysterious, enigmatic sign because there's a containment there. There isn't like the, the energy of Scorpio isn't sh- readily sharing everything. There's something deep. There's a lot of things that they're deeply processing. And so you just know that there's a depth to that person that they aren't necessarily letting on. Um, I would, I always advise that around the Scorpio full moon, this isn't a time to like, I mean, things are a little different now, but like to be socializing with people that you don't know super well, because the intense energies of it and, and Scorpio is a, one of those very loyal signs, as you mentioned, it's a relationship sign. And so you really want to keep the trusted people close around this lunation. The other thing that you mentioned that I wanted to add on to is you mentioned that, yeah, we have the moon in its fall in Scorpio ruled by that Mars in its fall in, in Cancer. Um, what I love about this though, is that they are in a trine, which is supportive and that they are also in mutual reception. reception. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the way I think of that is it's like, <laughs> 
two people down on their luck commiserating. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like one person's got a joint, the other person's got a pizza and you make a great night out of it. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, I have something you need. I have something that you need. All right, let's hang out. And even though we're both like kind of down, you know, we can make something really great out of this. So I really like that. <laughs> I, I like that too. It's better than uh, what did uh, I did my IG live with Gray Crawford when we did kind of like a recap uh, and we did kind of a forward. We were speaking about this new moon, uh, or sorry, full moon. Um, and one of the uh, one of the uh, listeners commented, they're like, mutual reception or mutual deception. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's actually pretty funny yeah. um, where, you know, you have two characters that are both trying to like, uh, you know, get their, get their way in some way, you know, cause Mars tends to want to have its way. Um, and Scorpio can be very pushing with that too. Oh yeah. That. And so it makes me wonder if like, you know, like two people, like two energies are going to want to have, uh, their way and, and things are going to be you know, if you try to go to ba- about it at, um, a level that is not in, uh, integrity fully, you know, that's where the Pluto station is like, Burp. you know, <laughs> neither one of you are helping any either out when you're not coming from it in a place of like absolute, uh, integrity. Um, and that might be part of it is just back to what you were saying earlier, uh, with the vulnerability piece. Uh, and it's not easy for Scorpio to be vulnerable, at all as speaking no. as a Scorpio rising. No, that it, no. it is like, it is, you put on the poker face, you hold mm-hmm. things close to your chest because of, um, and, and cancer does that too, in many mm-hmm. ways. Uh, but that might be the actual test of this full moon and the Uranian component it is like, if you want a more comfortable reality after this, you know, you have to, uh, you know, show your colors a little bit, um, yeah. and, and be forthright, uh, and bring, and bring honesty, uh, to the surface in a way, you know, the plutonian honesty where this, this could get ugly. This could get, you know, things that, you know, uh, that are deep within that are like the monsters inside my being, you know, I don't want to necessarily share those, but maybe if I do, um, and the person listening, uh, cares in some way, um, you know, that's like, all right, well, you saw my ugly side. I, you know, I, and I saw yours. Um, yeah. Cause it's mutual. Yeah. So how, how do we, where do we heal from this? Where do we go on? You know? And so, because not too long after, you know, we basically have Mercury sextile Neptune on the 29th, the sun conjunct Uranus on the 30th, um, Mercury trine Pluto and Venus sextile Neptune on May 2nd. So there's all these kind of supportive, like, yes, you know what I mean? Like kind of, <laughs> it starts to get a little bit better. I feel like the end of April is like kind of sticky. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a lot happening. There's a lot of intensity happening toward the end of April, but you're right on the other side of this full moon. And, you know, we will be feeling that full moon for like another couple weeks. So yeah, that kind of sets the tone. But as you mentioned, yeah, there's an incredible amount of supportive aspects coming in. 
And yeah, there's a couple squares too, but they're to Jupiter. So that's not all that bad, really. Um, but yeah, I love that. I love that. So yeah, what we were saying is that we got we got to get the feels out with the full moon then so that we can move on, right? Yeah, so that exactly. So we can move on. So we can let that go. So we can uh, find compassion for ourselves and one another along the way and understand what that was all about. Um, because this is a very pivotal week, I believe, from that full moon uh, to last quarter uh, in Aquarius on Monday the, the 3rd. So basically Monday the 26th through Monday the 3rd, this is prime time Saturn-Uranus square energy because we have two points of the lunar cycle hitting, um, you know, the full moon is activating that Saturn-Uranus uh, position while the sun's on Uranus. And then that last quarter moon is exactly on uh, Saturn. So yeah. there, that this is a pivotal time just for this year alone with whatever that Saturn-Uranus story is for you. You can bet there's news or there's a turning point or this that seven-day period um, is going to present to you whatever, you know, those two archetypes in a way that is builds probably a previous story that's been going on since, um, you know, January, February of this year. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and if you're wondering where the Saturn Uranus cycle is happening in your chart. I did like a whole thing for each sign. You can find that on my YouTube or on my Instagram at Astro Catherine. And I go through it for each sign. So just as an aside, okay. if you want to check that out. Um, but I do love what you said, Melissa, about elevating the compassion. Cause I think that that's what those Neptune sextiles are about. Like those Mercury um, and Venus sextiles, but like right after the full moon, I feel like that is really emblematic of like the compassion coming in and feeling connected to something bigger than you, like feeling like I'm not, I'm not alone in, in what I'm going through or what I have going on, dredging up under this full moon. But yeah, I mean, the full moon, it really does ignite. I mean, there's enough there. We, we just glazed over it, but the full moon really does ignite that Saturn Uranus square and then, yeah, with the sun conjoining Uranus on the 30th and squaring Saturn on the 3rd, yeah, it's like the reverberation of what's culminating here around the full moon. There's there's something big coming, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It, the, it's, like, it's almost like a big reveal at the full moon. Yeah. But it's not all the story. It's not the, it's not a resolution. It's not the understanding that can come with the sun conjunct Uranus where, oh, you get that light bulb moment. You're like, now it all makes sense. Like I right. have the pieces of the puzzle I didn't have before. Um, I, you know, and, and then when the sun squares Saturn on a last quarter moon, uh, that's another point of tension. That's another, it's in a closing down point of tension uh, too, which is interesting because the moon is closing down. The emotional side is closing down with the last quarter square. Um, but the sun squaring Saturn is actually an opening square from Saturn. So it's an interesting emotional closing around maybe some sort of uh, commitment or boundary or something that you're up against, um, some future planning of some sort. Uh, but the sun and the awareness that has happened and probably electrified by Uranus with the light bulb moment um, is opening to something new. So it's an interesting... Uh, half something's closing emotionally, but something is being born within the identity or the ambition or et cetera. Totally. Yeah. There's this definite tension both on the collective and individually where 
um, you know, we need to change the structure somehow. Wherever mm-hmm. Saturn is in your chart, it's like that structure has to change somehow. And um, in the book, Mundane Astrology, there's like three different authors, um, but Carter is one of them. Yeah, and Carter. they just, they describe <laughs> Benye, I think, Harvey, uh, Harvey. Yes, I, I know. Yeah. I, I literally, I can see the book on my couch right now. <laughs> Like they're all named Charles, but Charles yeah. Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they describe the Saturn Uranus cycle as the tension to create something new and more supportive. But there is just like this back and forth and a lot of resistance. And especially in fixed sign, we're going to see a lot of resistance to yeah. change. But they describe the cycle as like change is imminent change is imminent. So only constant. (laughs) Yeah. And so like with squares, like you might be fighting that, like, do I, do I lean in or do I resist, you know? Um, so yeah, I think we're definitely going to be experiencing another layer of that. Cause as you said, we're going to be working with this energy for some time. I mean, this, I feel like we're in the thick of it now. Like, I feel like this is, you know, one of the second or third times that this really gets, layered. And I feel like with this full moon happening with it, I feel like this is, this is a juicy, this is a juicy bite of this transit coming up. Yes. Well, and to go back to what we were saying with all the relationship, uh, tension and and moments and everything, you know, with the full moon, uh, and then even like, yeah, that whole lead up of that weekend, the 24th through the 26th, 27th. Um, there's something to be said about, uh, the second May 2nd, right before that Sunday. Um, is it Sunday? No, I think I have my, Hmm. yeah, it is Sunday. Um, (laughs) right before, uh, our last quarter is that, you know, we have Mercury trying Pluto. So finally, you know, we can, we can get a grip on the Pluto, whether it's through our own understanding, whether it's communicating, we got Venus sextile Neptune. So it gives us, we can walk through that door of compassion. We can walk through that door of connectedness of, of romance and wanting to, you know, cause the Pisces, Taurus, these are romantic, uh, energies to me, I think with that Venus Neptune that uh, ironically, that's the day I leave for my Redwoods trip. Ooh, <laughs> what a day for that. What, what a day for that. I don't know how the sun Saturn square will get in what on a that great action, but <laughs> vacation inception chart. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Um, we got to hide that, hide that Saturn somewhere. Hide that Saturn in there. <laughs> well, we both have Saturn so prominent in our charts. I feel like that, there's okay. no, there's no hiding that. There's no hiding. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I think that that could be a wonderful point of resolution, uh, if there needs to be one or just further understanding there further connection, um, you know, turning that page in not a combative way, but in a harmonious, like, I hear you, I feel you. I want to feel you. I'm (laughs) (laughs) coming out. Um, (laughs) yes. So, so no, once again, in, in the supportive realm that we're talking about after that kind of full moon, and there's going to be tension around it too, because there's the emotional release that still needs to happen with the last quarter. But, you know, Aquarius does allow us to detach. And even though, you know, it detaches enough emotionally where we can see the bigger picture of it, like, you know, maybe this is a little uncomfortable, but I understand it conceptually. I've got a new perspective around it. Um, you know, Saturn helps me understand, oh, you know, why that 
might've been in my way or why I had to get through that hurdle or, you know, or testing point or learn that lesson. Um, and so I think that understanding helps us. Um, and then we can connect a little better there. Love it. So, all right, well, we made it through last quarter. Uh, so basically once again, Monday, the 26th through Monday, the third, that is hot spot Saturn Uranus square territory. Um, but what else, so what else? No, there's more going on on the third. So basically not only do we have the last quarter moon, we have that sun square Saturn we were talking about. Um, but we also have Mercury squaring, uh, Jupiter and then ingressing into Gemini, which is good. So we, here we have another planet going into its own domicile, but right before it gets there at the tail end of Taurus, it squares old Jupiter, um, <laughs> <laughs> squares Jupiter there. And so what do you think of, that's adding more to our sun, uh, Saturn situation, Mercury, maybe Mercury sees the bigger picture. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, I do love this because I feel like Mercury with Jupiter, it's like kind of opinionated. Like, I feel like it's kind of taking a bold stance. It's kind of outspoken in in a way that can ruffle some feathers because it's in a square. Um, So yeah, I think that with the South Node and Sagittarius these days, I feel like we're seeing a lot of that, like people taking pretty strong opinions. Also, let's be honest, Saturn and Aquarius as well, just like feeling pretty fixed in in what people, they believe. So that's kind of interesting to me because I feel like Mercury in Taurus square Jupiter is like pretty opinionated, but then it goes into Gemini and will eventually line up with the North node. And so that's like kind of opening and creating space in the mind for different perspectives. Mm. Um, I like to say that like the North node in Gemini is making room for multiplicity. Like, yes. And like these things can both be true, even though they seem conflicting, they can both be true. Like you and I can both be right and wrong at the same exact time. Yeah. So I think that there is like, that is a very interesting and quick shift from being really kind of opinionated and outspoken about something to kind of opening the mind, um, in Gemini. Yeah. And you can see other people and yourself changing your tune. Um, pretty much where, you know, the position that you stood upon, uh, just a few days prior when Mercury makes that shift, uh, it might be totally different because basically Mercury makes that shift. Um, and then, you know, goes on to trying Saturn. And so, you know, like there's, there's a Saturn component, but it makes me go back to what you were saying actually, um, much earlier in the program when we were talking about just the Saturn Uranus energy, um, and there may be being, uh, issues around travel or movement or something along those lines. Cause that Mercury square Jupiter at, you know, critical end degrees, uh, while sun squaring Saturn, you know, in an air sign too. So we might see some sort of like travel situations or, or groundings or, you know, something about as, as I'm on my vacation. No, I'm not, I'm not on my vacation. At this point. <laughs> um, Actually, I just, I just skipped a whole segment in my thing. The Mercury doesn't try in Saturn until the 12th. So it's much far, much more farther away, but it just makes me wonder if there's going to be a lot of travel, whether there'll be hiccups in travel. Um, I don't want that to be the case because I'm going to be traveling. Uh, but maybe there's a little bit of something and then it, whatever that is frees up once Mercury is in its own, uh, state, um, 
Yeah. Again. And this, what I'm feeling too, is this could also be like where another layer of inspiration strikes. Like, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast around Mercury conjoining Uranus and that like aha moment. But here I feel like Mercury square Jupiter is like biting off a little more than they can chew, like buying a bunch of books and then juggling your way through them. And Gemini, like reading a little bit of this, reading a little bit of that. Like, it's like an energy around getting curious. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like squares to Jupiter want more. Like there's a wanting of more. Oh, yeah. Yes. So yeah, there's a desire for more understanding or more knowledge or just something different. You know, we're all getting bored over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More and, um, yes. And you know, squares don't even have to be tension too. A lot of times they just are activation. And so like, if you're like myself and you are traveling at that time, it just means that you're on the go. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's a thing too. Um, and maybe there can be tension around that as well, because once again, Mercury's at the tail end of a Taurus, uh, cycle and Taurus, you know, needs to slow down a little bit. And you're like, Oh, I planned all of this for stuff for myself. And now I'm like I'm tired. No. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is the anoretic degree. So yeah. there is like something about it that is hyper energizing. There's, I feel like there's a little bit of anxiousness at the 29th degree. Like I got to get out of here. I got to do this. I got to do yeah. that. Like I got to make a move. There's pressure. Um, yeah. Like Venus at 29 degree Aries. I went ahead and I chopped my bangs. I'm an ex hairstylist, so I can get away with that with Venus and Aries. Not recommending, but <laughs> there is something with like the 29th degree of just like impulse, and I got to act on it now or it's going to disappear. Yeah. So, yeah, that could be like maybe booking a little spontaneous trip there. Yeah. 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 Well, and look at wherever, to, like, once again, that Taurus uh, Aquarius square is for you. You're going to probably get some more information as where, where that spontaneity or that pressure may lie in some way. Yeah. Um, so not too long after that, our Pluto saga continues as basically, <laughs> you know, Venus now trines Pluto, uh, you know, cause you know, they conjuncted uh, how many days back. And so Mercury is now ahead of Venus. So where we had Venus making connects before Mercury get there, you know, now we get the information before we get the, um, the, the connectivity or where we can open up to whatever that is that comes in. And so I, you know, that's another kind of heart to heart moment, I think, or reevaluating what is valuable, uh, to you, um, on the sixth, which is what day is that? You change my calendar. That's going to be a Thursday. Um, but it's also interesting that that coincides at the same time with Chiron uh, in a just forming a nice sextile and trine with the nodal axis, which I like that. What do you, I, I, I'd like to hear more I, what well, think about that. I am just going to riff off of what you were saying because I love that about like a heart to heart, like a coming full circle almost, like finding the resolve. And Chiron represents healing and aspecting the nodes in favorable aspects, flowing aspects. That just feels really important. Like that just feels like, yeah, something something has been restored. Something has been understood. Something has, something valuable has been like, connected, you know, and probably it's related to everything that's been kind of kicking up for us in the weeks prior. So I really like that. Yeah. I like it too. I have a good feeling about it. Um, and you know, it's, once again, it's not always the most comfortable of territory, but there is a resolution there. Um, and there's much to, to get from it. it and it's playing off of both togetherness 
um, and, uh, you know, independence too, because, you know, Chiron's over there in Aries and being able to assert oneself and, uh, you know, get heal the self in some way, um, which is a very personal, uh, experience, but we also have the, the connectivity of Venus at the same time, trining Pluto. And we just went through all this relationship energy too. And so, uh, I I like to think that it's, it's a win for both. Like, you know, it's a win for the partnership and it's in connectivity and it's a win for the self. Um, but you know, a hard earned one, or maybe, you know, the thing is some triggers have gone off along the way, but we get that resolve and, and we're wiser for it because that's, <laughs> yeah. And I like, I like that aspect too, because, you know, wherever you get Pluto, you're going to get some kind of intensity, but with Venus and Taurus trining Pluto, it seems very grounded. It seems wanted. It seems smooth Yeah, and thinking about it's Venus smooth. and Taurus energy. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, Pluto, um, Pluto was one of the more loyal deities of the pantheon. And so that just seems really stable. And yeah, that seemed, that seems sensual to me. I like I it. was going there. My, my <laughs> mind was already taking me. I just said, what's just so funny because I, we have a buy nothing group. I don't know if you're a part of those. Um, it's like your community, you get stuff from your community. Well, my reason buy nothing was the art of sensual massage. Just in time Ooh. for tourist season, a book from the seventies full of naked people, all the naked people. Um, but I was like, what better time for me to win a book, um, on the art of sensual massage than right as Venus goes into Taurus, we're about to go into Taurus season and I love massaging. Um, and so hopefully I'll have a happy camper, uh, all but right. I'm breaking that book out on Venus, Tri and Pluto. That's all I'm saying here. All <laughs> right. <laughs> that these healing hands get a working. Um, <laughs> That's very North Node and Gemini, I suppose, with the Aries uh, Chiron. Yeah, learning massage. I love it. (laughs) That's perfect. Um, All right. Well, that's something uh, nice to look out for there. Uh, Basically, May 6th, that Thursday, probably through that weekend, uh, give or take. Um, But at the same time, actually, that weekend on the 8th, on Saturday, uh, we have Venus squaring Jupiter doing the same move. Um, that Mercury just did. And then uh, she ingresses into Gemini, which is going to be totally different territory for her. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Relationships definitely moving through another turning point there with the square to Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's another anoretic degree activation there with Jupiter and Aquarius. So yeah. that's really interesting. I'm really interested to see what specifically comes up with Jupiter and Aquarius, because, you know, Saturn and domicile in Aquarius has been like the more defining feature of this transit. So I'm really interested to see how that shows up in the collective, but yeah, I feel like Venus square Jupiter is again, like an, I want more energy. Yeah. And I feel like that could be like one last <laughs> shopping spree with Venus and Taurus or like one last dinner out before like you're into the food trucks, you know what I mean? With Venus in, in, in uh, Gemini, that could be like one last little, um, indulging dinner kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, that's like a, that seems really luxurious to me. Like it that, does. <laughs> it seems like I ate one too many tacos kind of night. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it does. It does. It has like, I, I think, I think that that weekend just in general, 
uh, you know, the weekend of like May 7th, give or take some of those days there, we are just going to have a full out celebrate the last days of Venus and Taurus. She's, she, you know, she's doing it to it with trying to Pluto. She's ramping it up with the square to Jupiter. <laughs> and she's like, she'll, she'll pare down. She'll, she'll meager out when she gets into Gemini, you know, but for yeah. right now, She's, she's just going to take it all in um, while she she still can. Uh, and it's interesting, too. Like, I like that as she moves into Gemini because, you know, she's going to get much more. She's not going to be as grounded and sensual. She's going to be looking for maybe more intellectual. She's going to be a little more flirty and blow all over the place. But it's interesting how she moves from being in her domicile to now Mercury's domicile. But Mercury's in its domicile. So it still uh-huh. has like kind of a strength to the whole transition. I love that. Yeah, that's interesting. How like they're in Merc, they're in like Venus's world, and now they're both in Mercury's, Mercury's world. world. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Like Mercury was in Venus's world in the strength of like just one over, and now you know, um, yeah. So that's interesting going through. Hmm. I have to wrap my head around yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right. So Venus is definitely going to get. She's going to get perked up. She's going to get a little intellectual. She might get a little flighty. She's going to want to connect. There's going to be a, you know, where she was fine staying at home and cuddling and, and, and or just lounging in the bath or doing her meditations, what have you. Uh, Venus and Mercury, both in Gemini, are going to be ramping up social interaction just in general in the world. Um, people are going to want to get out uh, and about. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like if... Well, I don't know if I should jump ahead, jump but, ahead I, take it. but I feel like Jupiter and Pisces is going to be really doubling down on that. I feel like Jupiter and Pisces is the opening. Well, and it's almost like a couple openings that are happening. Cause I definitely agree with you on that. Cause, okay. So we are just days away from Jupiter. We are, there's a lot of little clusters that are happening right as we get to this, uh, this new moon in Taurus that happens on Tuesday, 11th. Um, because in the balsamic phase, uh, right before that new moon, um, perfects, right. As we came off all that Venus action, we were talking about, we have Mercury conjuncting the North node which is definitely going to be some sort of opening point, some sort of movement taking place. I mean, Mercury is movement, transaction, you know, busy. It's breaking out of that being, um, as what Gray was talking about, the Kali Sarpa yoga, where all the planets were on uh, in between the South Node and the North Node. So we have another planet breaking out of that, uh, opening things up. Um, We got that new moon. um, And then we have, you know, Jupiter ingressing into Pisces on the 13th. So there's this like couple day period where I have a feeling once again, there's all these shifts uh, that are going to take place. I feel like Mercury on the North Node, often there's like an important like headline or story developing. But I also find that it can be just on an individual level, you're getting a key puzzle piece. You're getting a key important piece of information that can help you with something important because the nodes are, they deal with, they have a great deal of purpose associated with them. And especially like with our spiritual purpose and our spiritual evolution and just, you know, they have a lot to do with why are we here and what are we doing here? So I feel like that's just like a key nudge from the universe being like, here you go. Here's this piece of information. Now do what you will with it. 
Exactly. And I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it too, is that it happens literally the day before a new moon. And so what better time to get a key piece of, you know, spiritually guided information, whether that's on the collective level, uh, in your personal space, uh, through connection with others or all three of those, you know, you're going to get just what I like to call the, 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 uh, spiritual breadcrumb that is going to lead you. It's the next step to lead. Uh, and Taurus, that's a planting, that's a planting new moon. You know, that is whatever you put in the ground, at this time, this is like, this is strong. <laughs> this is like, oh, yeah. this has tensile strength to it. Um, and so, and it's an interesting signature too, because <clears throat> you'd think it'd have the, the strength to it that Taurus does, but now we have Gemini, uh, a Gemini Venus guiding it. So she's once again on Mercury's team, right. Um, adding to that, uh, it'd be, I feel like it'd be a totally different story if Venus was still in Taurus. For this oh season. yeah, uh, but totally. no, she's she's over there in Gemini territory. <clears throat> but totally, we also have Mars squaring uh, Chiron at that time, um, and sextiling Uranus, uh, and yeah, Mercury's still in the North Node. So it's an interesting new Moon signature uh, right before we get that main shift that uh, you were um, alluding to. So any it, thoughts on that new moon? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. It is interesting. So I, I mean, obviously I like that it's creating some sort of stability in our Taurus house. Like there's some kind of new foundation being laid in whatever area of your chart you have Taurus in, but yeah, it's ruled by this, um, Mercury in Gemini, which is looking for like diversity, which is looking for, um, to mix things up. It's curious. Like there's something about it that, um, wants to branch off and try it this way or try it that way. Um, What I do also find interesting about this new moon is that it is squaring, not, I mean, it's kind of wide, like it's in a, it's in a square to Jupiter and Saturn. It's really wide. It's actually squaring the exact midpoint of the two. So I think that that's interesting, kind of highlighting that story that was just seated between Jupiter and Saturn earlier this year, you know, starting this whole new era of air element. Um, I'm wondering if there's something um, with like cryptocurrency, you know what Mm. I mean? Like, I think that there could be something interesting there. I I know that, um, there is expected to be another kind of boom in May with, um, crypto, various cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm just, you know, I dabble. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the cryptocurrencies and the, the blowing up of the NFTs and things like that, there's, uh, there's, there's a whole scene that's burgeoning there. And so that would not surprise me. Yeah. Um, what would also not surprise me in be, being, um, a victim of this myself is dealing with, um, uh, cybersecurity issues, um, and people dealing with fraudulent, fraudulent charges, which I've had to deal with. And I put it out there on my, uh, Instagram page, um, and my stories. And I was like, is anybody else dealing with this? I think this is a major Taurus Aquarius issue. Um, and sure enough, people were coming out of the woodwork. They'd be like, oh yeah, I had to deal with this. I have PayPal. I was taken for this, you know? And so I think that this could be a new start with just the way inf- financial information is, uh, shared and maybe some developments that come around there because, 
because there are holes in the security, which, you know, Taurus is very connected with security and money. Um, and then we have the, uh, the innovation and the technological aspects of both Aquarius and Gemini taking place. So I'm hoping, um, and we might even see headlines actually around that with, uh, maybe even, uh, I know we've had issues with, um, the, the pandemic assistance, um, and fraudulent stuff going on with, oh, yeah. you know, EDD and like people trying to, so uh, it'd be interesting. Even FMLA. Yeah. Even like, yeah, like FMLA, like I've heard of people, um, filing for like workers comp in their name. Like, yeah, weird stuff is going on there. I wonder if that could be part of like the broader story of like Saturn square Uranus. And, um, cause yeah, Saturn and Aquarius with like the internet's Saturn return, that feels like cybersecurity and Saturn being a planet that wants to protect and make more secure and, and reestablish the rules and, and safety measures. That seems like really a point there. So yeah, I wonder if this new moon might highlight something there. As you or if it, if it was highlighted during the full moon, actually, and then by the new moon, there's some sort of like, oh, well, we're addressing it like this with the Mercury and then the new moon. Because, uh, you know, Taurus and Scorpio, those, those are very money-related signs. So it Very much. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and so with Venus ruling this new moon in Gemini, I'm noticing that Venus really isn't making any exact aspects. I mean, she's now in a different sign, so the square with Jupiter is lost. And I find that unaspected planets carry a significant amount of strength. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely like a wild card energy to it. And especially because um, I believe, let me just see here. I believe Venus is peregrine there. Uh, yeah, she is. So yeah, there is like a desire to create stability with to- the Taurus new moon, but in a new way, like there's something innovative, there's something different. There's something curious here that is inviting us to branch off because the next um aspect that Venus would make, I believe, is the conjunction with the North Node. Yeah. So that's going to be special. There's something, there's something important here, I think. Yeah. Because she does conjunct the North Node. Because like we said before, with Mercury conjuncting the North Node, any, but any planet that is conjuncting the North Node, you can bet you're going to get a piece of what you need for whatever the story is developing in your life, in the world. You like These are pivotal uh, days when, when these things happen and they're, and they're rare uh, <laughs> when they happen too. You know, this is a once in a, once a year type of thing, unless there's some sort of retrograde involved. Um, but that's going to happen on uh, May 17th, you know, just about five or six days after the new moon. And it's the same day that the sun trines Pluto too, which we, you know, we've been following this Pluto story and the trines that have been happening to it from uh, Taurus. And so, you know, having the sun uh, in Venus territory trine Pluto as she gets her North Node message and as she's visible, because that's the thing too, is that now she has broken out of combustion. She is visible in the sky. We firmly see her again. You know, she's present. She has been reanimated. She's been reborn. You know, she went through all that underworld journey and she's like, ta-da, I'm here. I'm glorious in the skies. I've got my own, you know, message to share. I'm doing my own thing. Um, and so there, there's, uh, she's an interesting character to watch. I think I last bit love seeing Venus in the sky. It's so, it's so special. It's magical. Um, but yeah, Venus is an evening star. I like it. Um, I like her coming out of the beams of the sun in Venus in the evening star. She's more loving. She's more tolerant. 
Um, she's more accommodating. And maybe we're going to need that after all these transits. <laughs> yeah, because she makes a lot of like, so basically before Taurus season ends, I'm just going to sum it up so we can talk a little bit more about Jupiter and Pisces yeah. and kind of close that out with that. But she's, she's on a mission at the end of... Uh, Taurus season because she conjuncts the North Node, as we said, the same day as the Sun trines Pluto. Uh, and that's when all juicy bits come out. You know, Sun trines Pluto, it like shines a light on the dark and it's like, look at, look at this. You can see that, <laughs> you can see that there or, or you get that, like that treasure where it's just like, oh my God, that's been buried there the whole time. How did I not know? You know, like it's unearthing um, on the 17th. And then she goes on to sextile Chiron, which we keep talking about being this healing force and this, this wisdom force. And then she goes on to try and Saturn on the 19th, right before, uh, you know, the sun moves into Gemini. And so then we get that, that sat, you know, Venus is finally, trining Saturn and like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm sticking with this or I, you know, this is the plan or I understand this. I feel um, supported. I feel supported. Um, even if it's just in my own mind and my perspective, which is perspective is everything. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, so she's making some moves and she's visible. So watch our gal Venus, uh, at the end of this season, because she's going to have a lot of, um, a lot to share, I think. So open to her message, but you know, the uh ugh. Jupiter and Pisces. That's the thing. May 13th, two days after that new moon, we're gonna feel that shift. And so, you know what? Where where are you at with uh with Jupiter and Pisces? I'm at oh, so many boy. places. <laughs> so I actually just wrote an article about Jupiter and Pisces going into all the details that's gonna be published on for NCGR's member letter. I write quarterly for them. Um and so that will be printed there. If you're a member of NCGR, you can get that. It will also be posted for early access on my Patreon. And eventually it'll make its way to my website, but um, that's where you can get it right now. But yeah, Jupiter and Pisces, I'm seeing this as opening. Like everyone's wanting to know, when is this going to end? When is this going to end? Jupiter dips into Pisces just for a hot second, um, like you said, on May 13th, and then it's there till like early July. And then it goes back into Aquarius. It's going to be there for a while. And then it comes back into Pisces. And that is where I see the real juiciness of this transit taking place. Um, I feel like here at the end of Taurus season, we're going to start to get a taste of what that transit's going to be about. It is going to bring a certain level of freedom. Um, here, in the United States, we are seeing mask mandates starting to be lifted. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but regardless, Jupiter wants to open. That's what the planet wants to do. And, you know, uh, Pisces is a sign where we're kind of dis dissolving boundaries. I think that that's something that is happening there as a result of that transit. But I really think it'll be next year where you know, venues are allowed to be at like full capacity again and things like that. But now we're getting a taste. We're getting a little taste of that. The other thing I really think is important with Jupiter and Pisces is I feel like this pandemic um, initiated a crisis in values of what's important to me. And I feel like it brought into question a lot of things that aren't nourishing, that aren't satisfying, that feel really superficial and, and routine and all of that. And I feel like Jupiter and Pisces really wants to find deeper meaning, wants to find something connected, wants to connect with something bigger than you, wants to feel like you're doing something for the greater good of the world. And so I feel like 
Jupiter in Pisces is going to be everyone kind of jumping on board this quest of implementing and figuring out what that looks like to live a life that is more meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's, mm, it's Jupiter finally getting in its own sign. Cause that's the thing is like, like you said, I think that it's, it's all about movement at that point because Jupiter says yes. Right. It, it opens. It's like the, it, the Pisces is this boundless space. I mean, Jupiter is a boundless space and, and Jupiter has been in a bounded, a bound space for quite some time, basically during the whole pandemic, uh, you know, cause Jupiter moved into Capricorn, Capricorn at, in December and- of 2019. And, and that's when that was, uh, sneakily underway there. Um, and so basically we have had the planet of, uh, of yes and, and open and all that, uh, under constriction and under the constriction of a planet Saturn that is, has been in its own domicile for uh, the whole time. And so it was, it was an interesting planet to have those two, or interesting timing to have those two planets and their contradictory natures um, right. be bound in that way. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And we are going to, you know, it's going to go in there. Things are going to start to open. But like Saturn moving into Aquarius last year and giving us that few month taste, there, it, there's work still to be done in the Aquarius. There's Saturn work still to be done. Um, and, uh, I think we have to kind of be a little cautious with Pisces, uh, energy because it, it's so it's optimistic in the sense where it's, you know, yes, let's do it. Um, but there is unseen, um, aspects that come from that. And because, and I really, it's going to take some time before we kind of get like the, mm of that Jupiter, uh, energy, because that solar eclipse that's coming, right. um, is going to square Jupiter. Um, and, or is it the solar eclipse or is I think the, it's lunar the lunar eclipse? The lunar yeah. eclipse. It's the lunar eclipse, um, at the end of May. Um, and that's when we're really going to feel that's when we're going to understand a lot of what Jupiter um, in Pisces is going to bring forth, I think. Um, and, and the fact that it's, it's going to station uh, retrograde on the solstice on the summer solstice or the oh, cancer wow. solstice. Wow, so wow, wow. there we, I, I'm all for, I, Hey, Pisces is my fifth house. I'm like, Jupiter, get in there. Come on. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm like, get out. You've been in fourth house. No, thank you. Third house. Uh, I'm ready. Um, but there's so much to be said about the eclipse seasons coming, uh, the squares to Neptune from Mercury and Venus, uh, and just this idea of opening. And, and that's the thing It's like sometimes, and that's the idea with Pisces. Uh, and we have to, we have to walk blindly through things with faith and trust. And that might not always work out or it works out in a way where we learn the wisdom of Jupiter after the fact so that we know what to do when we get back to the, the boundaries of Saturn. Um, and so sometimes uh, we have to test the water. We have to dip the toe in. Yeah. <laughs> this out, we have to dip the toe in. Um, and so we'll just have to see where we're at with that. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Jupiter and Pisces artistically, creatively. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel like we're going to see like a new era of like music. Cause think about all the creators, what they've been doing in quarantine. I know, um, for some, like the, the pressure of the pandemic was a little creatively paralyzing for some, but like, 
like for others, it was an opportunity to really like work on your craft yeah. and spend more time with it um, uninterrupted. And so I think we're going to see a lot of really epic album drops. I also think just like being able to see any live music is going to feel like Woodstock of 69. Like it's just going to feel <laughs> like it's just going to feel next level. And so, yeah, I think you're right. Like music and arts, like this is going to be a really beautiful time for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I mean, as a musician myself, I'm like, I'm excited because I just know that there's going to be such a, uh, such value of imagination that comes forth and is created, uh, while Jupiter is in Pisces. I mean, we'll get a taste of it. Maybe, maybe we'll see some of those album drops a few, and maybe see some of those venues open and things along those lines. Uh, um, but I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of magic in 2022 around it, especially once Jupiter conjuncts Neptune. And I know, agree. Yeah. I so. couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's going so to be exciting. the real, that's going to be the real cake is Jupiter and Pisces 2022. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if you are a creator and we're all creators in our own way, of course, but if you are, you know, a musician or an artist or a poet or a filmmaker, or, you know, all these, a writer, all these things we're talking about, like grab onto that creative juice, get it while you can, you know, you're, you can be taken to the depths of your imagination, um, in ways that don't come around all that often. So take advantage of this, um, because it's easy also to give into the, um, the indulgence of that Pisces and Jupiter can have too, where you just want to maybe have a drink and lay around and talk with friends. And then that's all fine too. But uh, if you're feeling inspired, you know, call back on that Saturn, call back and be like, oh, I remember when you were tied over here and you helped me get things done. <laughs> um, and, and, and make that masterpiece because I think there's going to be some special energy rolling around here. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, Jupiter is in its home sign. And like you said, Saturn is in its home sign too. So we have like these two polarity forces to contend with. Now, Saturn is slightly stronger because it has the diurnal dignity there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think that like we still have to be mindful, but go out and have some fun, like enjoy your life. Jupiter and Pisces is opening things up a little bit to a level where it still feels really magical, even if it may not be fully accessible in the way that we remember it or want it to be. But I think even just being to a level of... Um, I think people are feeling like safer now about connecting because we actually like have a little bit of a better idea about what's going on. We don't fully, which is where I love that you highlighted like the faith part. Like we kind of just have to like hope for the best, you know what I mean? Um, or just like have this understanding that everything, I think, I think Jupiter and Pisces will help people to just feel like, okay, well, things are going to work out. Things are going to work out. Like things are looking up. We're finding our way out. It is the sign that is associated with like the coming of spring, the return of the light. And so I feel like there is a great deal of hope associated with this yeah. sign. Absolutely. And that's what this is. And why I speak of that is because uh, that's the presentation I'm doing tomorrow for the summit is uh, faith leading to hope and Jupiter moving through Aquarius and Pisces. So I've thought a great deal about this. Um, and I think that is that is the case. And uh, like you just mentioned with Saturn being strong in Aquarius there, I think even though things are opening and we can hold our faith, uh, we have enough reason behind us to know um, what might what we might want to say yes to and what might, 
you know, warn a no. Um, and, and that's the beauty of those two planets being in their strength is that we can say yes to some things, but we are going to be smart enough, I think, to know when it's, it's a no. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to keep distance or, yeah. So, um, that, I think that's the blessing of those two strengths, uh, you know, the two planets, uh, in strength at the, at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, okay. So Taurus season, if you had a, a one word, a keyword to sum it all up, enjoy it, like enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Take it all in. Yeah. My pleasure. I'm like, I'm looking at the central. <laughs> I know. <laughs> pleasure. Enjoy um, it. Enjoy it. Yes. And don't Eat forget to ground. Yeah. Ground. Go outside. Nature. There's a nature. Nature. Return to nature. You are nature. Don't forget that. We like to think that we are this entity that is that is not. We we are. We are born from the earth. We are just as much as nature and the trees and the animals, you know, um, just because our intellect might separate us from time to time. It's not the truth. So get to get to your roots, be that tree, ground your feet on the grass, feel the energy, you know, um, rooting down and, and leaving you, especially in moments of struggle or those tensions that we were talking about with the the Scorpio full moon and everything that's surrounding that. Like if you get in a spot where you just don't know, um, you know, that's just too intense for you, or you don't know what to do, just return to earth because earth always has the answers, you know, Mm. hug a tree. Sounds cheesy. Hug a tree. Be be a redwood tree. (laughs) I'm going to be hugging all those trees. (laughs) I can't wait to see the pictures. Oh, me either. I'll be frolicking in my, in my, in my best. Um, (laughs) Love it. Oh, Love it. yes. So, um, yeah, there we go. We got enjoy it. Take in the pleasure. Connect with nature. Slow down. That's the last thing I'll say. Slow down. Yeah. Slow Replenish down. your well. Yes. All those things. I think that's, I think we'll be good. Um, all right. Well, Catherine, where can people find you? What do you got going on? All Share the deets. Right. Well, I am in the process of teaching a Foundations of Astrology course right now. Um, by the time this airs, we'll be maybe a quarter of the way through it. So I'm really loving that. So yeah, I do teach astrology. If you're looking to learn foundations or predictive techniques such as transits or progressions, those are offerings that I'm going to continue to offer on a year-round basis. So I'll be doing the transits and progressions probably in the fall. Um Yeah. The other thing I have going on is um, I will be speaking at the Great Lakes Astrology Conference at the end of June. You can find out about that on my website, or I believe it's greatlakesastrology.com. I'll be speaking on progressed mercury. So that'll be cool. Mm. Um, You can find me on the socials at Astro Catherine. That's Catherine with a C. And yeah, I got these YouTube videos that I'm trying out. They're just like short. They're just like quick. So if you're just looking for what's the aspect of the day, you can check me out on YouTube for just like, usually the videos are like three minutes long. So just real quick drop-ins. So yeah, that's that's what I got going on right now. Oh, well, that's plenty. That's plenty. Now, did you say what your website address was? Oh yeah, was? my website is www.catherineurban.com. Oh, simple enough. 
That's mm-hmm. how you get there. And of course, you know, with all the guests, I'll do a blog post and share Catherine's information as well in case you just want a one-stop shop to get to all the things that she mentioned about, uh, which you can find over energeticprinciples.com. Um, and of course, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. Um, and the summit will have aired by the time that this airs. But if you're interested in taking advantage of all the wonderful talks and uh, ladies that have presented, including myself and my bonus, uh, all about Jupiter, uh, you can uh, find the link uh, to purchase the all access pass uh, with um, wherever you find me, you're going to find that. So <laughs> you can go check that out if you want to see that talk and happen to miss, miss it. Um, and yeah, so other than that, uh, if you like what you heard here today, uh, spread the good word, share it with a friend, leave a review wherever you listen to this, because that helps the podcast get elevated in, uh, in the search and the algorithm, um, and it helps myself and Catherine be seen further. Um, and if you'd like to leave a tip, I have a tip jar on the front page of energeticprinciples.com as well. So, all right, Catherine, well, it was a pleasure speaking to you. I hope you'll join me again. Likewise. Thank you so much, Melissa. This was so much fun. Yay. And thank you for listening to us talk all about Taurus season 2021. Uh, we, uh, wish you the best in these next 30 days. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.